Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. This is a ministry where pastors get together and talk about uh, biblical issues, doctrinal issues, and this series, we're excited to be able to discuss the Reformation. Uh, This October 31st will be the 500th year anniversary of the beginning of the Reformation. And so today we have three other pastors with me. Uh, We have Scott Burkle from East White Oak. Hi, Scott. Welcome. Thank you. Good to see you, Rich. All right. And then Daniel Bennett. He's a familiar voice on Revive the Drive. Hey, Rich. And he's from Bethany Community Church. And then uh, Kendall Kaufman from Lexington Community Church. Welcome, Kendall. Yes, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, this, this time on the Revive the Drive, uh, we are going to mix it up a bit. Usually it's myself and Daniel and Art, and and today we have some other pastors that are joining us in this conversation about the Reformation. And the question we want to talk about in this particular session of Revive the Drive is just simply, what is the Reformation? And so uh, maybe, guys, if you would begin by talking about what was happening just uh over 500 years ago in the Christian church. Uh, what was the incidences or uh, the uh, uh, events that were taking place in the church that caused a reformation to be necessary? Well, one of the things that was happening that's a little bit of a surprise to people is that the church was being extremely successful in terms of the amount of money it was taking in, people's interest, all that kind of stuff, the kind of things that sometimes we measure churches by, uh, the church was doing really well. Mm. Part of that was because the economy was changing away from serfdom into more of a merchant economy, and so there was a lot more activity, more interest, but they were also interested in eternal matters, and the church was giving answers to those questions that were, in the minds of many, unbiblical and needed reform. There was also a crisis of authority that the, the church was facing. It was a, a moral and an intellectual crisis. There was a, a moral crisis of authority because as people looked at the church, they, they doubted it had the moral authority to, to lead. And then there was also an intellectual questioning as uh, as scholars were exposed to original texts or, or texts that were closer to the original. They were saying, okay, what what these texts say are not in line with what church doctrine teaches or the the translations we have, and so you know what do we do with this? Uh, how, how do we how do we uh, reconcile what we've been taught to believe versus what the the biblical text actually says? Yeah, you know uh, we we've referenced that this is the 500th year anniversary of the Reformation, and so maybe one of you guys would describe what took place exactly that would cause us to have a specific date, October 31st, 1517, as the date in which the Reformation began. So maybe one of you guys could tell the story uh, that uh, we typically think of as the beginning of the Reformation. Was well, as Martin Luther was making his Halloween uh, trick-or-treat rounds, Okay, <laughs> he knocked on the door of the Wittenberg. I may be getting some of this wrong. <clears throat> no, no. Not, not, not a good answer. Okay, sorry. Try again. 
Well, he, that was the day that Luther nailed the 95 theses uh, to the door of the Wittenberg Chapel, uh, just designed to dis- discuss uh, the relationship between, again, uh, who has the authority to to deal with sins, What what is the relationship between indulgences and true repentance uh the, you know we, we should probably maybe we can pull up a couple of these and, and talk talk about them go, go ahead sure. yeah so <clears throat> putting together a couple things that we've already talked about the church was being very successful so the pope was wanting to build a new church in rome mm-hmm. uh, well it had to be financed so they have to find some money for it at the same time this faulty translation of matthew chapter uh three and mark chapter one about uh the Latin Vulgate says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, do penance and believe yeah. the gospel, yeah. got distorted into you do things in order to get right with God right. that the church tells you to do. That's a wrong translation. In fact, it should be the kingdom of God is at hand, repent, repent. and right. believe the gospel. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, one of the things that Martin Luther said is his very first of the 95 Thesis, God wills that the entire life of the Christian ought to be one of repentance. And he made that word a very key and important word as opposed to doing something, doing and, penance. And maybe so, someone would describe that doing penance, what form particularly that take that was really offensive to Martin Luther um, in relationship to the indulgences. Yeah, well, he he comes across to Johann Tetzel, and certainly Tetzel uh, is is doing what many of them were doing to raise funds for the church at that time. But he's got this; uh, they can give money and help get uh, relatives out of purgatory. And so this this little jingle begins to uh, be used as a as a as a money in the in the coffer. Uh, sorry, as money in the in the uh, little tin. Rings, a uh, soul from purgatory springs, yeah. and Luther just can't uh, can't take that uh, theologically. And I think yeah. you know, as we're talking about Luther for just a moment, he there were some people trying to make some reforms in the church before Martin Luther, but he's significant uh, because um, he would say that some forerunners to him, being John Wycliffe, John Huss, did attack the papacy, but it was a moral attack against the papacy where Luther sees his own attack as a theological one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A huge, uh, and, and really maybe that does define the Reformation, is this yeah. was a theological uh, reform, not just a moral reform against the papacy. And so he goes after these things mm-hmm. theologically, and that's what that's what the people needed. They needed the view of God yeah. first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and some of our audience might be familiar with the name Wycliffe, because we have Wycliffe Bible translators and, uh, as a missions agency. Uh, what what was significant about John Wycliffe? What, where where did he live, and and what did he do that caused him to be one of the reformers that was so kind of radical for the day? Well, he was uh, an, an early uh, translator of the Bible into English, mm-hmm. and so one of the questions was, what is our ground of authority? Mm-hmm. And Wycliffe was one of the early guys to say, hey, we should trust the authority of Scripture. And so wanting to make the Scriptures accessible, he did a very early translation of the Bible into English. Um, So that's 
And John Huss likewise uh, began to uh, have services that were not in Latin because he believed that the people should hear the gospel in the language that they uh, spoke, mm-hmm. in the language in which they conversed. And that was very radical. Yes. So that, that was part of the Reformation that, that allowed the people to hear and experience uh, the worship of God in their own language. Um, and today we kind of take that for granted, but it, it's, it was a huge effect of the the Reformation, of course, uh, Martin Luther also. Then one of his big works was to translate uh, the Bible into the language of his German. people, the German people. Yeah. So, um, as as we think then about um, this Reformation, we think about Martin Luther coming up to uh, this chapel door and nailing ninety five theses. It sounds really strange to us for anybody to do that. Um, I uh, remember when I was in seminary, I was talking with one of the pastors who that week evidently had a seminary student. Uh, I don't think he nailed him, but he taped uh, 95 <laughs> reasons why this church was not a godly church, <laughs> because he felt like he was having the spirit of Martin Luther upon him. Needless yeah. to say, uh, in the area, oftentimes seminary students were not appreciated by the churches. Right. <laughs> but, but what was happening there? Uh, what, what was happening there on, on that day with these 95 theses? Was, was that something really strange to have happen? Yeah, I think it was more like the posting of a blog. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he's wanting to say, hey, here are some issues that I would like to have a conversation about. And from some of what I've read of Luther, there is a suggestion that he was not really um, thinking that the Pope was entirely aware of right. all the abuses. And so he was, to, he was doing this in order to create a conversation so that awareness could be made to church leadership that things really are out of whack and need to be changed. Of course, of later events proved that to be false, yeah. but but he he really wasn't intending for there to be some great divide in the church. Yeah. That hence the word reformation. Mm-hmm. He's wanting to reform the church rather than to break from yeah. it. We we don't celebrate the rejection. We celebrate the reformation. reformation. That, that there's a desire really yes. to bring about a purity of the gospel, both in morals as well as in doctrine. And that was uh, really the impetus that, that drove these reformers forward in the church. Yeah, someone says it's one of the ironies of the Reformation is that a loyal son of the church trying to follow the methods prescribed by the church would lead to the schism, or what they would refer to as a schism in the church, which is not the term yeah. we would use, right? Right, right, yeah. exactly. So, so if you were to give sort of a brief summary of what the Reformation is, uh, what, what would you say in terms of what exactly is mm. the Reformation? We've kind of talked about some of the background, some of the problems, uh, the, the beginning point of it, but, but it's, it's more than a, an event. It was really a movement that continues in this day. What, what exactly is the Reformation? So I see it in terms of three kinds of questions. Uh, The first is, where is our authority? That was the question that's being asked, and Martin Luther is saying that our authority is found in Scripture. That's where we know what God's saying. Uh, The second question is, how can a person be made right with God? Um, How is it that a human being can, can, uh, as sinful as he is uh, or as she is, how how can that person be made right with God? And then the third question is kind of the ultimate why question. Why is there anything here? You know, what, why do things exist? And the answers that the Reformation gave were, well, the Scriptures are our authority. Uh, we're made right with God by faith, uh, by grace, 
alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And the reason why, the ultimate answer to why, is it's all for God's glory. Yeah, that's good. Uh, any, any other summary statements that you guys would give to explain the Reformation? Yeah, just probably that Luther would have most likely been surprised with uh, those nailing of the 95 Thesis, the, the gravity and the depth and the breadth to which that took. Uh, but what he did, and I love this quote by him, uh, scriptures are like a lion, you turn them loose. And they'll yeah. do their own thing. And so really, uh, it was theological, but turning the scriptures loose for people to connect with God yeah. uh, was huge. Yes, scholars today oftentimes will use the term reformations instead of reformation mm-hmm. because it is, you know, there's several iterations of it. There's kind of classical reformation with Luther and, and Calvin, and there's the, the radical reformations and the English reformations. But it is, it's neat to think about it as a historical event, a, a period in which uh, God sovereignly orchestrated several things to kind of come together at the right time. To mm-hmm. so it wasn't just a uh, a localized event. You know, what's What's interesting is whenever Luther begins to to teach these things, like his his confessor uh, Staupitz is that mm-hmm. is that correct? He um he, he doesn't seem surprised by the things Luther's teaching. In other words, Luther didn't just invent these things. These are things that that I think there are pockets of of faithful gospel biblical witnesses throughout church history. But you have kind of the con- con- the convergence of just God sovereignly bringing different forces together in history at the right moment to allow a, a intercontinental uh, reformation to take place in, within his church. You have the, the fall of Constantinople. You have Wycliffe's uh, translation 100 years before Luther. Then you have the, uh, the the printing press, the fall of Constantinople. Those things kind of converging at the right time for, for all this to, to, to happen. And I think even the Reformers themselves saw that they were at a unique time, that this was a unique movement of God that wasn't their own efforts. You know, uh, Luther himself said, I didn't do anything. The Word did it all. You know? Yeah, and, and, and also, you know, as God is working in human history with events both uh, politically, economically, uh, ecclesiastically, with uh, within the church, God very clearly rose, raised up these men with very unique personalities. So, as as you as we'd read about Martin Luther, he he seems like a guy that might be difficult to get along with on occasion. He seems mm-hmm. like very bold, very powerful, very very uh, abrupt in in the way that he uh, addressed issues, and yet it it really required that kind of person. Mm-hmm. To be able to shake uh, a, a church that, as you mentioned, Scott was was pretty much at peace with itself. It was financially sound. The people were there. They were rallying behind the church, and it required someone like him with that personality to awaken people to some really big questions. Um, Philip Melanchthon, uh, uh, Luther's right hand man, said at Luther's funeral, uh, "The this violent age required a violent physician." Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a pretty great great statement, isn't it? Because Philip Melanchthon, as I understand, was pretty gentle. Yes, so very he, gentle. He, and yeah, he was such. A, they were such cohorts and friends, and, right? And uh, both of them were very necessary to to the, to the cause. Um, so, is our as as people are listening to this uh, series and the revive the drive on the Reformation, uh, some might be asking, well, why why would I care other than just sort of some interest in history. History is interesting in itself, and stories are interesting. Uh, why is the subject of the Reformation important to me living in the 21st century as, a, as an American Christian? 
So the same questions that were being asked in the Reformation have different answers today, but, um, I mean, people are answering them differently, but the Bible isn't answering them differently. Where is our authority? Well, the answer before the Reformation was the authority is found in the church and the pope, and Luther said, no, the authority, final authority is in Scripture. Today, we answer the question, where's authority? Well, it's in me. I, I'm my own authority. Yeah. And we're, we have to go back to saying, no, the Reformation mm-hmm. answer is still the right answer. Yeah. Uh, the question, how am I right with God? Well, that question got answered differently at that time than it is now. Now it's, well, if my good works outweigh my bad ones, I guess I'm okay. Yeah. And rather than a kind of a fear that dominated the time before the Reformation, there's actually a, a, a complete absence of fear. Everybody thinks there's a, they're okay. But the Bible's answer, how am I right with God, hasn't changed. And then thirdly, why? That's a great question that people are asking about. Why do bad things happen? Why this? Why that? Why the other? And the answer that the Bible gives, it's for God's glory. Uh, the, the Reformation answer still holds strong in the midst of the storms of life. So a God-centeredness uh, versus a man-centeredness that, that the, the gospel brings to us, and, and the gospel really uh, is recovered by the church uh, from Scripture uh, during this time when, when it was nearly lost. We, we've uh, talked previous to our broadcast about this, um, about this Reformation motto, post tenebris lux, after darkness light. And and it really was a dark time, not in terms of finances, not in terms of participation, but it was dark in terms of people receiving the life of God in their soul through the gospel. Mm. And and uh, after that darkness, God allowed a, a work, uh, a reformation that brought about a revival and brought salvation to individuals. And and that's the amazing thing. It's, it is still needed today, right? Right. And, and those questions are the questions that are still being asked. And the answers that the Reformers came up with help us continue to reform the church today and and, and help us distinguish between the, the true and the false church. And we haven't mentioned the five solas. That's going to be a, a later uh, broadcast. But even, I think you can't talk about what is the Reformation without talking about those those five things, right. you know, that Scripture alone is our authority. Yep. We're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone for the glory of God alone. That that becomes the answer, the yeah. kind of framework through which the, the rest of the theology of the Reformation comes comes through. Right. That's right. Um, you know, in, in reference to uh, what Scott was saying earlier about the Bible, uh, Martin Luther called the Bible God's external word, and not external in the sense of, of something outside of us that doesn't penetrate us, but it's external in the sense that it's objective, it's fixed, it's something that's immovable. And and that uh, is also very much a, a principle when we ask, well, where do we find truth? Is there anything fixed? Is there anything objective? Is there anything that's set and eternal that we can go to? And the Reformers reminded us of the teaching of Scripture, which, yes, there is. Uh, We have God's Word that we can look to, uh, not the Word of man, uh, not the Word of of even uh, tradition or an ecclesiastical authority, but we have the very Word of God as, as the very foundation and the basis upon which we discern what is true and what is false uh, about life. So any other words you, you guys would say about the importance of the Reformation to a modern Christian? Yes. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have more to say in uh, future uh, podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, I mean, I think, again, just, just helping a, a Christian understand that uh, Scripture alone continues to be our authority. And, and how are we going to find the answers to the questions of, of life and how to do church and how we can be how we can receive the righteousness from God that we need. It's it's in God's word and we'll continue to unpack that through these these sessions. Yeah. Well thanks guys. The the next session we're going to talk about Christianity on the eve of the Reformation. What what was taking place? We're going to talk delve into that a little bit more about uh, what was happening just prior to the Reformation beginning so that uh, we can also discern uh, our own times as well and the right response to them. Well, God bless you as you uh, seek to honor the Lord in your own life, as you seek to worship Him and find your joy in Him. Uh, he's a great and awesome God, and it's, He's worthy of our praise. So thanks, guys, for uh, joining us today, and thank you for listening. God bless you. Oh,